You're here. I want to pray right now for every person who, I don't want to define this for you, but you define this yourself. You would say, right now you're going through a storm. I don't know what a storm is for you. Could be a storm in your health. Could be a storm in some area. Even from where you're at. You're not from here, but you're from somewhere else in the country. In your family, whatever. It's a storm. It's a, it, it could be a, a torment issue. It could be a financial issue. It could be a, a child that's lost. It could be a wayward parent. But there's a storm, as you would define it, going on in your life. How many realize Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? That no matter what is going on, He is the same. And He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we can ask, think, or imagine. If you would say right now, you know what, Mark, that's me. I'm going through a storm. Just lift your hands towards heaven right now. I don't know. You define it for yourself. Now, here's the beautiful thing about family. Right now, you see hands raised. If you're standing next to someone with their hands raised, just put your hand on their shoulder or whatever's appropriate because we're going to pray the prayer of faith. We're going to pray. How many believe God still answers prayer? Let me try that again. How many believe God still answers prayer? How many believe that He's able to do tonight, right here, right now, even in other parts of the country and the city, touch and reach others? There's pain in your body. Let's believe right now that you can and will receive a miracle from heaven. So right now, just stretch your hands towards the people with their hands raised, and let's fill this room with faith because God is here. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you said through your word that you are the God who heals, you're the God who delivers, you are Jehovah, our provider, you're Jehovah, our comforter, you are our ever-present help in our time of need. And I thank you right now that you would move mightily, we declare peace to every storm, peace to every storm that the wind and the waves would cease right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for releasing your healing. We thank you that chains would break where they've been held for so long that tonight, Lord, would be the night. Tonight, this would be the day. Now is the time, Lord. I thank you this moment is yours in the name of Jesus. We release your grace right now into everyone with their hands raised. Lord, we declare right now all over the nation prayers are being answered right now all over this nation storms are being calm right now all over this nation bodies are being healed right now all over this nation people are being touched right now you're moving on our behalf right now right now in the name of jesus in the mighty name of jesus in the matchless name of jesus in the powerful Jesus, we pray. We pray in your name and your name alone. It's your presence right now, even now. Some of you can feel this, the, this liquid warmth just going right over you. This is the peace of God. It's the presence of God saying, my child, my son, my daughter, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you every step of the way. Thank you for your goodness and your grace right now all over this auditorium. And from here, literally a spark to the nation. Touching lives and homes everywhere we pray. Thank you for your peace. Honey, you feel just the presence of God just right now all over you. That's the Lord just touching you, saying, son, daughter, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace tonight right across. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you tonight for answered prayer, Lord. Thank you for answered prayer. Lord, we thank you for testimonies that are going to come out of this weekend. Testimonies that have come out over the last 48 hours. Testimonies that are come, answered prayer, Lord. Thank you, God, for answered prayer. Thank you, Lord, for answered prayer. Come on, can you give Him thanks for answered prayer? Can you give Him thanks for answered prayer right now? Can you give Him thanks? He's the way maker, the miracle worker. Thank you, God, for answer prayer tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody at Shout said, Amen.
you may be seated now. Wow, man, God's presence is all over this place. Thank you, wonderful people, except for Josh. I mean, you're wonderful. I'm saying you just stay. Tonight, I'm going to get Josh to stay the whole time so he doesn't have to walk awkwardly through the crowd. You know, here's what I know. Everybody is going to go through storms. If you're not going through a storm, you're like, oh, these poor people. Oh, my gosh. Storms. That sounds horrific. Just keep living. Keep living. You know, there's two distinct storms recorded in the Gospels. And you would have heard messages from both. And sometimes when you hear so much preaching, you've been in so many conferences. How many of you have been more than five shout conferences? Give, give me a wave. You've been more than five. In fact, stand to your feet. You've been more than five. If you've been more than five, you deserve a clap. Wow, that's... Look at all these amazing people. So, the rest of you, you're looking at people who have probably listened to over a thousand sermons over their lifetime, doing the math. And you would have heard messages on storms, and it's, there's two distinct storms. Everyone say two storms. And it's easy to blend them into one story because Jesus and the disciples were involved in both. But actually, both storms are quite different. Anyone remember those pictures where you have two pictures, they look exactly the same, and then you have to spot the difference, and it's a tiny little thing? Well, it's a, anyone? anyone any, who? Yeah, yeah. Really annoying, those games. But, but I'm going to see if you can spot the differences between the two storms. One's Matthew 8. Everyone say Matthew 8. And the second one is Matthew 14. Okay, so here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to read Matthew 8. Now, you can't see anything, so the clues are going to be purely vocal. And then it's not, I'm not actually going to ask you too many people here, but just mentally, I'm looking for four differences in the storms, all right, everybody? Are we good to play this game? Are we ever happy? Okay, all right, so here we go. Matthew 8. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. This is how I'd read it to Australians, but New Zealanders, I could be a bit more subtle. All right. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you, o you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now, you're going to have to remember everything I just read because I'm about to read the second storm from Matthew 14, and you'll pick up the differences. Here we go, Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. That sounds like a British Jesus. Those guys doing British accents before, this is British. Be of good cheer, it is I. I mean, only, only British people would say, be of good cheer in the middle of a storm. But anyway, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, and when they got into the boat, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. 
Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Father, just reveal your word to us in the most simple way that it would truly change us for the better tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Did you pick up any differences? Okay, now this is a good, this is a, this is a good thing. You know, in, uh, when I went to law school, it was so hard, but except for one class. We had a great lecturer. He was, it was administrative law. It was boring as anything. But basically, this lecturer would repeat everything three times. I mean three times. And slowly. I mean, we could write faster than he could talk. And then at the end of the semester's teaching, he said, um, you've got an exam coming up, which we knew. You've got an exam coming up. You've got an exam coming up. And he says, does anyone have any questions about the exam? And we're thinking, How, what can we say? Can we ask him, like, what's the questions? So a few people, you know, asked a few questions. And I thought, wow, he was very generous with his answers. And we thought, man, we are going to ace this because he's literally repeated himself three times the whole year. And he's given us pretty much so much of the clues to the exam. You can't mess this up. So just when we thought, okay, end of class, he goes, well, I have prepared a few answers for those of you who had questions but were too shy to ask. And then he began to tell us the answers for the exam. Not legally. I mean, this is how boring it was. I think people failed through sleeping through the, that class. But, but basically, I'm thinking, he couldn't have made this any easier. God sometimes makes life so easy for us because we're not always that bright. He says, listen, I'll give you multi-choice. I said before you today, life and death. Pick one. Here's a clue. Choose life. Uh, I think death. I mean, you'd be amazed how many people fail the tests of life because we don't see it. But in, this, in these two storms, I want to talk about the differences for a second. Here's the first difference. The first difference, in Matthew 8, the disciples chose to go into the boat. They followed him. Jesus was going himself. They followed. In Matthew 14, the Bible says Jesus made them get into the boat. Do you know there's some storms in life, you're going to make it. You're gonna, it's your choice. You chose to walk into that relationship. You chose to get into debt. You chose to get involved in that situation that was never going to be good for you. And guess what? There's storms that are going to come as a result. But there are other situations where you had nothing to do with it. Life just hits you. Circumstances has come against you. You really had nothing to do with it. If it's the former storm, don't blame God. You did it. God, I can't believe, no, 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 you, you made those choices, choose life or death. And, and if, it's the, if it's the latter where you really had nothing to do with it and life just hit you, parents got divorced, terminal illness hit your family, situation just hits you in a circumstance that you never asked for, you, things happened to you that you never requested. In that case, don't blame yourself because life happens to all of us. And whether you choose to get into a storm or whether the storm found you, i got great news for you. I thank God Jesus is in both storms. Even if you messed it up, He's kind enough to be there to help you. Even if you didn't mess it up and it had nothing to do with you, He's still there for you. And in both Matthew 8 and Matthew 14, God is with you. The second difference, in Matthew 8, they're scared of the storm. In Matthew 14, they're scared of the ghost. Sometimes... It's the natural things that'll bring you fear. Other times it's the supernatural. It's the spiritual things that'll bring you fear. You know, so many people are scared of an actual virus, but the supernatural element of that is now there's a demonic plague of fear that has swept through the world. There's always a supernatural edge to the natural situations. Sometimes it's the natural things that'll freak you out. Sometimes it's the supernatural things that'll freak you out. But either way, Jesus is in the storm. Here's the third difference. Matthew 8, Jesus is asleep in the boat. I don't think Jesus snored, but if he did, it would have sounded like a hallelujah chorus because he's God. Matthew 14, Jesus is walking on water. 
Either way, he's close by. There are some storms you're going to have to wake up the Word. How many realize he is the Word of God? He didn't just speak the Word of God. He is the Word of God. And there are some storms that you and I go through. We're going to have to wake up the Word. Other storms, we're going to have to walk out on the Word. Second storm, he said, come. The first storm, he was fast asleep. And some of us need to wake up the Word again and read it again. Some of us need to walk out on the Word and obey it again. Whether you need to read or obey, the Word is near you. He's in your life for such a time time is this. And here's the fourth difference. And the fourth, and the fourth difference is this, and this is the one I want to focus on. Matthew 8, Jesus calms the storm immediately. He rebuked the wind and the waves, and there was a calm. You know, but Matthew 14, I never saw this till I read it carefully. It doesn't actually say Jesus calmed the wind and the waves. I never knew that. I just assumed because I heard so many things about storms. He, he did, it just said when they got into the boat, the storm ceased. We don't know how long they were out there. They might have been having a whole conference out there by themselves. They could have had a chat about Peter's mother-in-law. They could have been doing anything. The scripture does not tell us in Matthew 14 that Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. There are some storms that God will heal instantly. He will resolve immediately. He will bring resolution swiftly. And there are other storms where they're going to cease by the passing of time. And literally, you're going to have to not only go through it, you're going to have to endure it and thrive through the storm. Because how many realize faith not only shifts circumstance, it helps you endure circumstance. And both are faith. Both are faith. Faith to shift the circumstance and faith to endure the circumstance. Because God doesn't just work in the calm, He moves even in the storms. Hebrews 11 is a chapter of faith. We love it. It's in the Bible that most preachers would reference at some point. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We've heard it. Verse 5 or 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And this is the, the absolute text of faith that everyone goes to and then it goes on to list the heroes of faith. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets. They subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens and even raised the dead. Aren't you glad that there are heroes of faith we can look up to who still believe that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond. He's still a miracle worker and he can do it right now. Somebody say amen. But this is in the same chapter in the hall of faith. It says others had mockings, beatings, they were chained, they were imprisoned, they were tortured, they wandered destitute, they were even killed. And look at verse 39 of Hebrews 11 in the hall of faith, in the chapter of faith. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Uh, that blew my mind because I thought faith is proved by the miracle. I mean, real faith sees the healing real faith raises the dead real faith brings breakthrough real faith changes something and it absolutely still does but God calls faith anybody and everybody tonight in the auditorium who says you know what even though it hasn't worked out the way I thought even though I'm still waiting on my answer to prayer I will still believe God I will still serve him I will still praise him I will still thank him I will still worship him and those who endure to the end the Bible does not call you wonderful long-suffering bad luck people he calls you heroes of faith because faith to believe, even when you haven't received what you're doing, is enduring faith. It's faith with character. See, I can celebrate when the miracle comes, and we've seen it time and time again. But it's another thing to walk through a trial and still hold on to God. Walk through a storm. See, everybody wants Matthew 8 storms because it resolves quickly. I want a Matthew 8 storm. If I'm going to have a storm, I'm having a Matthew 8 storm. Honestly, it's the kind of storm that basically the minute, the minute uh, Jesus says, come, we're like, Phew. Lord, I got a head healed. God, I got a bill, bang. You know, anyone ever seen Bruce Almighty? He's the Matthew 8 
small g God. Every request is granted like that. No faith required, or we think that's when you really have great faith. But there are people who have gone through so much, and God says, I want to not only build a new faith to shift atmospheres, but to endure atmospheres. This faith to shift circumstance, but faith to endure circumstance. Because both, both, everybody say both. Both are heroes. Both are examples of faith. And I want to speak into every life that is going through a Matthew 14 storm for a few minutes. A Matthew 14 storm that by the end of this night that you won't just have faith for the immediate because we need to believe for that all the time. I'm the biggest fan. When I was a lawyer, I went into hospitals and prayed for miracles. And I didn't pray, Lord Jesus, help them endure this over time. And in the right time, if thy will be done, Perhaps thou may stretch out thy hand and maybe soothe their affliction with a Panadol or two. No, we pray for miracles. We said, may the sick be healed. May the lame walk with the blind see. We prayed for miracles. I believe in the God of miracles. But how many realize God is bigger than any circumstance and He's in both storms? And if you're going through a Matthew 14 storm, tonight is for you. Outlasting a Matthew 14 storm. I want to give you three things quickly and then we're going to, God is going to do something really powerful tonight, I believe, as we land this whole thing. We're going to be unified that whether we're going through Matthew 8 or Matthew 14, we're in this together. Everybody say together. Together. Number one, wait with focus. How do you outlast a Matthew 14 storm? You learn to, you wait with focus. Wait with focus. Wait with focus. Do you know something remarkable about Matthew 14? Through all the drama, you know, the wind and the waves and everything's going, Peter can hear Jesus. What sort of focus does it take to hear somebody speak when there's wind and thunder and storms? And what sort of focus? You know, this morning I was driving to the, from Oriwa, which is God knows somewhere really far, all the way down to Manukau to the airport. I don't know New Zealand roads. I'm new to this place. Please forgive me. I'm driving. I've got an old, out-of-date GPS in this guy's car that I'm using. And I cannot see because the fog is the craziest fog. I mean, you turn the smoke machine up a hundred times and you get the start to get the picture of what the fog was like. And I'm going, oh my God, I can't. But you know, the focus, I had no time to listen, take phone calls or text while I was driving, which I normally never do anyway. But you know, focus. I had to look through everything. Sometimes when a storm hits and it's going on and on and on, we're going to have to learn to wait with focus. The Bible says, they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But I've got to tell you something. The word wait does not mean wait means focus. You can substitute the word, those that focus on the Lord renew their strength. See, there's so many people in the building, but not everyone's focusing on the Lord. A lot of people waiting in the room, but not everyone's focusing on the groom. There's something about looking at Jesus with eyes fixed and waiting with focus. And when the storm is raging, Peter has this ability to hear words. Hear the voice of God. I want to tell you, just because you're going through a storm does not mean you can't hear God. Your marriage might be in a storm, but you can hear God. Your health might be in a crisis, but you can hear God. Don't believe the lie that just because you're in a storm, you can't hear God. That's the lie of the devil. You can wait with focus and you can hear God in the midst of any storm because His voice will break through and penetrate, penetrate through every circumstance. 16 years ago, I was in the pretty full-on storm. I wanted to quit ministry. I'd already quit law but I'd been in ministry too long to go back to law. So I would have been a useless lawyer, but I, was, I hated being in ministry. So I was really cooked. And then I had an encounter with the, with the Lord. And I remember in the encounter with the Lord, Pastor Sam Monk was part of it. You know, Equipus Church, just so you're aware, was one of the founding churches that seeded into Kingdom City. And we are who we are today, not only wherever we are globally and all of that, partly because of the faithfulness of your pastors. Can I, again, never get tired of honoring your leaders? Can you give it up for Pastor Sam and Kathy Bunk, Pastor Bruce and Helen, all the leadership team. Whether you realize it or not, you sowed it to this guy. You sowed it to all the fruit that's come out of Kingdom City. And when you hear anything about that, that's because you have pastors and leaders who chose to make a difference. And that encounter was crazy. I was on the floor. It was remarkable. And I remember sobbing like a baby going, <laughs> and I wasn't crying because, wow, what a mandate. I was crying because I'm like, are you kidding me? 
I'm useless. I'm useless. I'm an average lawyer. I'm a worst minister. And I got problems. I'm 30 and I'm single. I know so are you, Jesus, but whatever. I'm, 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 I'm a wreck. And I heard the voice of God clearly. I thought you couldn't, I thought, I thought you, 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 it has to be still and quiet to hear the voice of God. How many realize you could be in a serene atmosphere, but internal noise will always stop the voice? That the real issue is not external quiet, but internal quiet. Peter had wind and waves everywhere, and yet he had the ability to hear. Do you know, focusing is a big deal in today's generation. I read somewhere that the average time span of focus for an adult in 2021 or whatever we are is eight seconds. Eight seconds. That's about all we can pay attention for. The, the, come back. The goldfish, the goldfish, the goldfish has an average attention span of nine seconds. People, we're losing to the goldfish. We've got to turn this thing around. Forget COVID. We have bigger problems. The human race is losing to goldfish in a staring contest. I don't even know how they worked out the average attention span of a goldfish, but that's not the point. It's in, it's in Google, so it must be right. And so here's what I learned. We have problems waiting. We don't have problems passing time. We have tr problems focusing. Everybody say, wait with focus. You know, when, when, when Jesus said to Peter, oh, you of little faith, he was not belittling Peter's faith because the word little does not mean small in size, like you have tiny faith. I mean, if Peter has tiny faith and he walked on water, what does God think of my faith? It must be non-existent faith. But he wasn't talking about the size of Peter's faith. He was talking about the duration of Peter's faith. Peter, you couldn't stay in faith long enough. Your faith was not small. It was fleeting. It was momentary. Oh, you are fleeting faith. In other words, Peter, you couldn't focus long enough to see the whole miracle through. I want to encourage you. Focus long enough on the Savior to enjoy the goodness of God all the way through to the end. Jesus was not criticizing Peter's faith. He was criticizing his focus. Some of us have already been on Instagram during the sermon, texting, what's happening? Oh yeah, conviction just fell in the auditorium. But here's, here's what I know. It's a fight for our focus. I've got two sons, a younger son, he can't pay attention. He can't pay anything. He's broke. But when I say, son, look at me, he's always, and I have to vice lock his jaw, look at me. And even then he goes, and as I start going, I'm like, what is wrong with this child? F wait with focus. You know, I wonder what it'll look like if in the next season of your life, you decide, God, in the middle of this fog, in the middle of this storm, I'm going to choose to hear your voice. I can't do anything about the circumstance. I can't do anything about the wind and waves, but I can hear your voice. I can't handle the people that are against me. I can't deal with the pandemic that's against me, but I can hear your voice. Peter heard the voice of Jesus. And it's, it's, it is a battle. It is a battle. You know, my dad, the last time I was in New Zealand, by the way, I apologize. Apparently yesterday they shut the, tras, the Tasman bubble again. I did it again. Last time I was here, the pandemic went into shutdown. Yesterday I preached, and about three hours later, Australia and New Zealand can't hang out anymore. So I apologize again to the people of New Zealand and everybody online watching. But the last trip I was here about eight weeks ago, in the middle of that I found out my dad got a prognosis for cancer. And it was pretty serious, very aggressive. And I had to cut my trip short and go back. And at the time, I remember thinking, wow. I got home, flew from the airport, went straight from the airport to the hospital. I think I was, might have been wearing this jacket. Anyway, I, I, I literally went to the hospital, prayed with him, talked to him, and then we've had a journey since. But the strangest thing happened. One of our team told me a story of one of our prayer team. She works in hospitality, and she actually uh, was on our team. And she, six months ago, before there was travel, before my dad had his, his cancer prognosis, she had a dream. And in her dream, she saw my dad in the, lying on a bed in a hospital, the exact name of the hospital that we're in, Hollywood Hospital, that we've never been to, never gone to, so vivid. And she saw me flying back from another country, landing in the airport, 
driving straight from the airport to the hospital, talking or praying with my dad, and dad walking up, and then she heard the voice of God say, because of his obedience and faithfulness, I will bless his family and hear their prayer. And, and, and she has no idea what, this is six months ago. She's like, that's a strange dream. My dad is well. There's nobody's going to, nobody's flying anywhere. And she goes and tells uh, one of our pastors, and he said, I'll just wait on it. So it was all, you know, it was documented. And then this thing happens, and it literally plays out. Yet, I would have expected the next day, Matthew wait. Jesus, heal my dad, done. But no, he has to go through six rounds of chemotherapy, it's going incredibly well. I mean, the oncologist who's not a Christian is shocked at the progress. But here's the thing. It's a Matthew 14 journey. I would have loved it to be a Matthew 8 journey. I would love it to be a Matthew 8 healing. Calm, done, healed. We've seen that happen. And yet God sometimes will allow you to walk through a journey. But in that journey, you have to wait with focus. Then you've got relatives and friends and, and people going, listen, listen, you know. Gotta get uh, and I'm, I'm, I understand my dad is saved. He knows where he's going. He, he's okay. He's 74. It won't, but at the same time, I've got to choose. What am I going to focus on? The fog of the noise of the wind and the waves? Or am I going to listen to the word that God gave me that he spoke? He planted a seed six months earlier. I don't know how this storm's going to play out, but I have to wait with focus. I have to choose to narrow my focus. What is it that you need to avoid, ignore, shake off, discard and remove so you can focus on the voice of God in your storm? Outlasting a Matthew 14 storm requires waiting with focus. Number two, walking with focus. We've got to learn to walk. Everyone say walk. Walk. Verse 29, so he said, come. And Peter had come down out of the boat. He walked on the water. Well, you shouldn't walk during a storm. It's not wise. Okay, waiting sounds spiritual. That may be focused, but walking, that's reckless. It's not time. Let's hide in the bunker until the pandemic is totally passed globally. See, the problem with waiting to step out in a Matthew 14 storm is we don't know when the Matthew 14 storm ends. When we get the healing, when we get the building, when I'm saved up, when I'm cashed up, when the kids are grown up, when the prodigal child returns, right now, it's not a good time. Okay, I'll be honest, 16 years ago wasn't a good time for me to fly to Malaysia. And yet at the same time, in the middle of my storm, heard the voice of God, sold my house, bought a one-way ticket to an Islamic country without a visa to start a church. All the signs are stupid. But when is the right time to step out? Well, it's not, it's not time to, to walk. Can I, can I ask you a question? You are smart people here. When is the, when is the right time to walk on water? When, when, when is, is it, you mean when it's all calm? When it's beautiful and it's no waves? Wow, now's the right time to walk on water. Are you serious? It's always impossible to walk on water. Whether it's calm or storm, there's no good time to walk on water. It's water. There's nothing that the circumstances around you can do to stop your destiny if you would hear the voice of God and step out on the voice of God. And I, would, I don't care what has happened to the globe. I don't care what happens to the globe. When God tells you to step out, everybody say, step out. Look at your neighbor, say, step out. Yeah, but over the last two years, there have been about 200 million people that have been infected with the virus. And at some point, 4 million people have died. Now's not the time, pastor. Now's not the time. Listen. While there's 200 million people infected with a virus, there's 7 billion people infected with another virus called sin. And here's what I know. Every one of them will die as a result. And we're not sure about the vaccine to the former, but we know the vaccine for the latter. It's the blood of Jesus, which has never lost its power. His name is still the only name by which we can be saved. It's time to step up. It's time to step out. Because at the end of the day, there's no good time to step out. But when Jesus says, come walk on water what is it that you're not doing because you're waiting for the circumstances to change but a Matthew 14 storm doesn't work like that you know what I love about Equipus Church Pastor Sam inspires me on so many fronts but in this journey for a building I mean that's a Matthew 14 storm right there and yet people are still getting saved people are still getting healed conferences are still happening steps of faith are still going on random guest preachers are turning up even when they're not invited it's incredible 
Why? We're not waiting till everything's perfect before we go. When we get there, it'll come. But I want to tell you, lives are being changed and revival can still happen in the middle of a Matthew 14 storm. So we're not going to wait. We're not going to wait to pass. You know, in the, in the last 12 months, it's been crazy. I've been stuck in Perth. But blessed to be stuck in Perth. And all the momentum, we went from running 55 or 60 weekend services every weekend globally to three, a kids, a youth, and a church adult online service. But yet there was momentum and creativity. And so books were written, songs were written, curriculums were written, campuses were planted. We started in two new countries, new online. So many things can happen in the middle of a storm if you don't just wade with focus, but you walk with focus. He promised he wouldn't leave you. He wouldn't forsake you. And what God has asked you to do, don't wait for the storm to pass. Just wait for the word to come. See, you know, you know you have peace in the storm. You know you have peace in the storm when you don't just hear Jesus in the storm, but you can see Jesus in the storm. And Peter stepped out, and he looked, and he started to walk towards the Savior. He could see. There were a lot of things fighting for his attention, but he could see. His eyes caught with the Savior and he began to walk on water. He didn't just wade with focus, he began to walk with focus. And sure, he stumbled, sure, he slipped. Sure, at some point he took his eyes off and he began to look at the wind and the waves, but at the end of the day, he started to see, he focused. He focused on a savior, he focused on the risen Christ, and he began to walk a miracle. He began to see something supernatural happen. Everybody say walk. Walk with focus. What does that mean? That means when I walk, it's like I was driving this morning and I'm driving. And I've got to drive with a fixed image in front of me. And I've got to walk step by step. So clear. Here's what happens in a Matthew 14 storm. When you learn to wait with focus and walk with focus, the third thing that happened is when they got back into the boat, they worshipped. Do you know, I, I really believe this church is one of the most unique churches in the world, on the planet. It's a movement. But here's what is unique about it. The sound that has come out of this house through generations continues to evolve and grow despite no building, despite no plans, despite pandemic, despite challenges, despite problems. Everybody in this room, stand to your feet. You are a worshiper whether you realize it or not. You might not be a singer. You might not be a musician, but you're a worshiper. So come on, I want every worshiper to stand to their feet right now. We need to learn to worship with focus. We need to worship unconditionally. You know, here's what it says. Those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you're the son of God. You know, waiting, walking, and worshipping, that's how we outlast a Matthew 14 storm. See, the enemy wants you distracted, stagnant, and complaining. He wants you disoriented, stationary, and whinging. But God says, listen, if you would wait with focus, walk with focus, and start to be a, a, an undistracted worshiper, worship with focus. Do you know, for a second, just close your eyes. Why do we close our eyes in church? Because we want to not be distracted. want to focus. Just close your eyes for a second and just see, see him. See your Savior. See Jesus. See him. See him. Do you know God loves you? He's interested in you. He's invested in you. And God's kindness isn't towards your circumstance, it's towards you. His face is looking up, down upon you right now and he's about to infuse you with what can only come from time in his presence. Now, I've heard people say God forgives sin. Actually, technically he doesn't. He judges sin. He forgives the sinner because he loves the person. He's interested in the person 
God isn't looking for labor. He's looking for laborers. He's not looking for ministry. He's looking for ministers. He's not looking for worship. He's looking for worshipers. He wants the person. He wants you. He loves you. He's looking for you. If you can labor, if you can minister, if you can worship, that's wonderful. But He wants you. He wants you in the storm. He wants you in the challenge. He wants you in the trial. He's grateful for all you can do. But He wants you. He wants you. He wants you. He wants you. I'm so grateful for every person who's a part of this incredible movement and the, and, the, and the contribution you make, the gifts you play, the gifts you have. We're so grateful for what you do. But God isn't motivated by what you do. He's motivated by who you are. You know, even, listen to this. Even if you never did another thing for him, he will always love you. God loves you unconditionally. Let me say that again. God loves you unconditionally. So why not tonight we return the favor and love him unconditionally? Why not tonight we return the favor and not hold back our worship because the storm is still rising? Why not we return the favor and love him even if he never did another thing? Because everything he has done is more than enough for all we'll ever need. And even if we never received another thing, are there worshipers tonight? Are there people who can just lift their voice and begin to give him thanks for who he is? And while the wind and the waves make noise, you wait with focus, you walk with focus, and you begin to worship with focus. I want you to declare right now, if there's a worshiper in the room, you can begin to sing in the middle of every storm. Come on, you can lift your voice. Louder and louder. second turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full look full in his wonderful face and the wind and the waves and the things of the earth begin to grow strangely dim in the light worship with focus undistracted worship Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Worship Jesus. Look for. Look in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely in the light. We're going to sing that in a moment, but I just felt the Lord say, wow, it's, I didn't even know it's happened. People have flooded the altar already. Well, the Lord say, some of us need to step out of the boat in your Matthew 14 storm. Stop waiting for the answer. You're believing for something to change? Well, we'll believe with you. But right now, 
God is drawing undistracted worshipers. He's looking for those who would walk on water because he said, come, come in the middle of the storm. I can hold you up. I am God of the elements. I'm God of the storm. I'm Lord over all. If you would fix your eyes on me, you will be changed. Oh, the circumstances may linger, but I want to tell you, you will be different. So if you need to step out of the boat, you feel God's asking you to take a step of faith. You can go to the bleachers. You can go to the balcony. You can go to the front, but you make a stand on the last night of shout that you are not going to let a storm hold you back any longer. Oh, I will pray that Matthew 8 is your destiny, but God is going to stir something. He's digging something. He's awakening something. He's revealing something. There is a grace. There's a grace on this movement for world changers who will not only shift atmospheres, but endure any storm. Right now, you come as we begin to worship. We worship with focus. in our journey, in our history. And yet, God, I thank you. You are building a faith, a focused faith, a focused walk, a focused wait, a focused worship. There would be people who could see through the fog of the morning. There will be people who could steer through any storm. There will be people who could worship in any war. Lord, there would be no government that could change my atmosphere. There would be no legislation that wipes my faith. There would be no circumstance, no person in my house, no body in my world. Because, God, my focus is on you. Lord, through it all, I'll fix my eyes on you. Lord, I ask for your grace right now to fall upon everyone in a Matthew 14 storm. Eyes to see. You know, we sang that, that first worship song earlier, that very first worship song up in the chorus, about I give all my attention to you. Can we sing that? Just that chorus. You have all my attention. Yes, come on. Meet me here. Meet me here. All I want. All I want is your presence. Sing it again. I may grow. Meet me. Meet me here. Focus. That's it. It's focus. Come on, there's an undistracted worship here. There's a hunger, there's a hunger, there's a hunger.
tell it. Tell it. Oh, wow. That's it. Come on. Come on, that's it. That's it. No goldfish can worship this long. Come on, keep going. No stone's going to praise him more than me. this is a declaration I want to declare over you, not just the church equippers, but over your life, over your town, over your region. See, what I, what I didn't read to you was the end of the Matthew 14 storm. And Pastor Sam, I don't know where you are, but this is for you. Verse 34. This is for everybody who would receive it. When they crossed over, see, because the storm will come to an end. They came to the land of Gennesaret. The word Gennesaret, the town, the name literally means fertile region. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And listen. This is the testimony for every person who would outlast a Matthew 14 storm. You might not calm it, you might not defeat it, you might not quiet it, but you'll outlive it, you'll outlast it. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Revival is on the other side. Revival is on the other side. If you would outlive your Matthew 14 